This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. All right, everybody. Parshki Savo, do you have the sheets? Yeah, you all brought them down there. Good. Parakhavav Pusik Tezain, everybody. This Pusik is an obvious one, but the truth is, this Rashi is like all over Tanakh. So it says, Today, Hakash Baruch is going to command you to do these Chukim and the Mishpatim. Right, the laws. If we don't understand the laws, we do understand. You'll keep them, you'll do them. The whole of Avchol, the whole Nafshachol, with all of your heart and soul. Obviously, this is reminiscent of Kriyashma. The whole of Avchem, the whole Nafshachem. It doesn't say the whole Meodchem, right? Obviously, that idea of the whole of Avchol, the whole Nafshachol that comes from the Hayim Shemuati Shmu, or like from Yahavta, and the line of Hayom Azesham Melokecha. So the question is obvious. Why is Moshe Rabbeinu telling them that today you receive the Torah? Right? They received the Torah years earlier, 40 years earlier, obviously in Harsinai. So, the Miyam Lewis says that there are four ways to answer the question. We're going to go through each one. Obviously, we're going to add on a little bit to each one. The first one is, it was as if it was given on that day. That's Rashi's answer. It was as if and that's the idea. Number two, now it's time to keep them. This is the end. Moshe Rabbeinu is about to die. This is Kisavo already, right? So it's toward the end, right? So that's it. That's the Abarbanel. Number three, Moshe Rabbeinu finished explaining all the mitzvos on this day, and this is the beginning of the end of his life. That's how the Ramban puts it. We'll explain that. Very similar to number two, but there's a difference. Number four, this begins the brand new bris that was given to Kali Yisrael. There was a covenant that they were starting from right then. This is going to be the new one for them from right now. That that's the idea, and that's how the Sforno puts it as well. You have those four. You have Rashi, the Barbanel, the Ramban, and the Sforno. That's how you get it. Now, the Kliyakar says, after you admitted publicly, you went around and you told publicly that HaKadosh Baruch has helped you grow your produce, do everything that you needed to do, right? Giving you the ability to give Bikurim, Meiser Shani, and that's the beginning of the Parsha, the very first two Parshas in this Parsha, in the base of Mikdash. Now you have to accept upon yourselves all of the mitzvot of Hashem. You have to do everything and allow that to be your life. That should be all about your life. That's the connection to the next passage. The idea behind it is that a Kaddish Baruch who gave you, now it's time to give back. That's the basic idea behind it and where it stems from. That starts, that's how the Kliyakar puts it. Rashi answers the idea, as we said before, that every single day you have to look at the Torahs of a Kaddish Baruch who commanded it to you that day. And that obviously is a difference. When I treat something as if it's something that I just heard right now that's different from something that I've heard a long time ago. That's the idea, that I look at it as if it's brand new to me. It's something awesome that I can't get away from. The shock says, don't think that the Torah was just given 3,300 years ago. I think it's exactly 3,338 years ago, right? And that's it. It was given to your parents, and that's why we have to keep it today. It's not so the way the Shach says it. Your generation, the generation that your parents were in, your grandparents, etc., all the way back, were all there at Harsina. You received it. And that's why we can use the word Hayom. Because just like there's no time when it comes to the world of Neshamos, the world of Neshamos means it could be at any point. That's the idea of what it means. And since you're the ones who are going to be able to keep mitzvos from now on, they couldn't keep a lot of these mitzvos. They didn't have the mitzvos of the land themselves. Those things are totally on that. Therefore, wait for them. Bishamarta, wait to be able to keep them because you're going to be able to do what none of the other people, your parents, your grandparents, etc., weren't able to do. That's the concept, says the Shach, to be able to treat it not just like it was given today, but like you were there back then, <coughs> and you're remembering it today. 
The Orachim HaKadosh says, we know that every mitzvah, the entire Torah, was given to B'nai Yisrael and Har Sinai. And that already is a machlok, as the Gemara Ksuvis, whether or not they got the entire Torah or they received just what they needed to know, and later on they got all the rest of the mitzvahs. Regardless, the basics were all given in Har Sinai. Whether, okay, and that's the idea. There's two mitzvahs that are mentioned here in the beginning of Kisavo, Bikurim and Meister Sheni, which are examples of other mitzvahs. It's obvious, and the Orachim HaKadosh says it, is that there are some mitzvahs that you'll never be able to keep. I'm going to give an example. I am not a Kohen. I'm never going to be a Kohen. But I like doing Birchaz Kohenim. I would love to do it one day. I'd love to get up there and do that. I'm not going to because I can't. But I know that there's a mitzvah out there that's like that. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows that's there. So what do I do about Birchaz Kohenim? How can I accomplish that mitzvah of Birchaz Kohenim? The answer is, learn it. Figure it out. Look into the Torah and go through those mitzvahs and understand them so well that it's as if I have them in my back pocket. If I was a Kohen and I was going up there, I would know every aspect of that. And by doing so, by learning it really, really well, it's as if I accomplished those mitzvahs. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted them until this point to be learning the mitzvahs. Whether they received all of them on Harsinai or not, whether they received all the details on Harsinai or not, doesn't matter. Learn everything you can so that when you're ready for it, you can accomplish it. You'll be able to do it well. It's sort of like what people do now for those who are Kohanim. They learn the avoda of the Beis HaMikdash. They know that the Beis HaMikdash isn't around right now, but what if it happens tomorrow and they're called upon to serve in the Beis HaMikdash? If they're called upon, they have to be able to get up there and say, all right, I know what I'm doing. I know what I have to do. Some people will grow out certain parts of their thumb, right? Just so that they can do malika in the future. They'll be able to have that little thumb that's out there. And it's not just for cutting cocaine, which is one thing that they do that for, right? It's really for malika. That's the real reason, right? For malika to be able to kill the animal the way you're supposed to, the bird, right? By a chatas and or ola, by a bird, right? To be able to do it properly. Until now, says the Orachim HaKadosh, you have been commanded to learn about these mitzvahs. Hayom on today, from now on, when you're going into Eretz Yisrael, you are now going to be keeping these mitzvot for the very first time. You might not have seen it before, you might not have been able to do it before, but now you're going to be ready for it. Even though, obviously, we know, by the way, that it wasn't that day, literally, the went into Eretz Yisrael. They had to wait another 30 days, and then another 3 days to go into Eretz Yisrael. And even then, they didn't start keeping the mitzvot of Eretz Yisrael until a little bit longer, like at least a couple months, maybe years later, 14 years when they fully took over and they had everything there. Nonetheless, right now is when the mitzvah comes into play. It's Hayom Hazet. That's how the Orachayim puts it. Now, the Moshe of Zikainim said, and he asked the question that I kind of alluded to before. This is something that is mentioned in Rashi in like once in the last... The last five parshas had a pusik that says something like this. Look at the Torah as if it was given to you today. Like, that's an obvious thing, and it's all over the place. We have that everywhere. Says Moshe of Zikainim, why in the world is this being taught now, in the middle of nowhere, seemingly, in Parshas Kisavo, if it's already being taught again and again and again before? She says, maybe the fact that we have it before, like in Kriyash, Ma'asher, Anochi, Metzavach, Maybe that only teaches me that the concepts of Kriyashma should be looked as if it's new. Maybe the different times that we said it before is only about that specific mitzvah. But now that we're done with mitzvos, now that the mitzvos are basically over, which we'll get to in a second, it's possible that right now, 
Now you have to treat it as if it's ayom. Treat everything that way. This is like the all-encompassing ayom that applies to every single mitzvah. He doesn't like it. He says tzorach ian at the end, but he says that's the basic idea how to get around it. The Rabbeinu B'chaya says that Rashi before said chadoshim. It has to be new to you. Over here he says chavivin. As a side note, we don't have the word chavivin. We have the word chadoshim in both places. But he says chadoshim and chavivin. He says it's obvious, right, that people follow what their eyes see. When something is standing right before your eyes, you remember it. You can see it right in front of you. You have it. When it's not there, you don't always remember it. If it's not there right in front of you at that moment, that's why we don't rely on miracles for anything chashim. When anything goes through, instead we stress emunah. It's into belief. You're into belief and believing things. The words of the Torah have to be new to us. That's what he's saying. They're chadashim. But they also have to be something that we love so we don't forget them. News goes out of your head really quickly. You might have that excitement at the moment, but then it doesn't stay. You don't have anything after that. Chavivin is something that I really love. I'm always willing to do something. Like we say, Trey Kali are lo mishtami. If you are two people doing something at the same time, you won't be able to hear either one. But if it's something like Krius Megillah or even the chauffeur, which is something that people are chavivin, they love, you'll listen to both at the same time. And then Trey Kali are mishtami, you can hear both things at the exact same time. That's the concept of Rabbeinu B'chai. And again, although we don't have that in our Rashi, it's unfortunate. We don't have the word chavivin. But the concept is there. That's the Ravina Bahaya. The Osnayim Latorah, he says this may explain why Moshe Rabbeinu says this right over here. The first few parshos of Sefer Devarim were filled with Musr. That's Devarim, Voschanan, and Akev. In the beginning of Parshas Re, that was Musr telling Kla Yisrael what was wrong and what was going on. The next few, Parshas Re, Parshas Shoftim, and Parshas Kiseitze, and then the beginning of Kisavo, the very beginning here, is all about mitzvos. We go through all these mitzvos. Something like, I forgot what the number is, something like 17% of all the mitzvahs in the Torah are in Parshas Shoftim and Kiseitze. Between the two of them, you have all those mitzvahs. You add in Re'eh, it's even more, obviously. That's a lot. That's all the mitzvahs in it. From now on, from the end of Kisavo, from literally this Pasuk, Chavbav Tezayin, and on until the end of all the Parshios, this is a different world, says the Asnayim Torah. This is the world of Moshe Rabbeinu dying, he is dying. That's Atem Nitzavim Hayom. You're standing here today. It's the end of Moshe Rabbeinu's life and he knows it's the end of his life. And now that these mitzvahs are basically finished, he was able to show them, right, give them this line to show them how they should be treated. And that's how the Oznaimus Torah says it. It's sort of like Devarim is split into three categories, right? Again, Musr, Mitzvos, end of his life. And now we're getting to that category. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, this is by far the most important thing to do. Now, Munisi Techo, this is Revolson. He says on page 10 in Parshas Noach, Cheshvan is a month without any holidays. It's called Mar Cheshvan for that reason, the bitter Cheshvan. There's nothing going on in that month, nothing to go to, nothing there. But in the future, the base of Mikdash will be built in the month of Cheshvan. It's supposed to be the, the month of the base of Mikdash. That shows that for B'nai Yisrael, there's no such thing as something that rots that doesn't have any newness to it. It seems like Cheshvan is that month that has absolutely nothing to it, like a boring month, nothing going on. And yet there's so much ready, waiting in Cheshvan, we're just waiting for it to be renewed. The Bnei Saskar says the Tziruf, which means the name of Hashem, which is Yud Kei Vav Kei. If you look in any Nusuch Sfard Siddur, by Musaf and Rosh Chodesh, definitely Sfardi, but also Nusuch Sfard Siddur, by Musaf, of Rosh Chodesh. You will see by the bracha, there's a little chart 
And by every month, whatever month it is, you're supposed to look at that chart and see the combination of Yudke Vavke to know how to say Hashem's name. When you say Baruch Hashem, right? Mikarech Yisrael, the Roshei Chadashim. When you say that Hashem, you're supposed to think of that letter combination. Really hard for anybody who's Ashkenazi to do, right? We're just not into that stuff, right? We, we don't get into it as much. But for Svartim, this is like, you know, backhand stuff. You know it in the back of your hand, you're perfectly fine. Every month has a combination. And, and, and for example, like Yud K Vav K is one combination. Hey Vav Hey Yud is another combination. Hey Hey Vav Yud is another combination, etc. There are 12 of them all together. There are 12 months. Adar Shani is a different story. We'll talk about that for another time, some, whatever. One of them, the one for Cheshvan, is learned out from this Pasuk. It's super interesting. The order of that Shemavaya, it's from this Pasuk. It's from the end of Pasuk Tesvav and the beginning of Tezayin. Okay, the last words, right, of the, what's it called, of the last, of the Parsha is Udevash. The first letter is Avav. And then in this Pasuk, Hayom, Hazeh, Hashem with the Yud. So the first letters are Vav, He, He, Yud. And that's the the word at Yud Ke Vav Ke, but that's the order of the letters that you have for Cheshman. Vav Hey Hey Yud. And it's learned from these words. Udvash Hayom Hazeh Hashem. Says Wolfson. Now you understand why Rashi wrote this. Cheshvan is the month where you feel like nothing's there. But the truth is you have to look at even a month like Cheshvan, even a month that seems like it's got absolutely nothing, as no, even this month is going to be awesome. Even this month has something awesome. The base of is going to be rebuilt over here. Devash obviously refers to Tishrei, right? The month before Cheshvan. And then Cheshvan has that newness to it. So Rashi wrote on this puzzle, you might think like it's nothing, but no, if you keep treating the Torah the way it's supposed to be, you treat it like it's sweet, like the honey that's there for you, then Everything will change. Maybe something different is going to happen. The Vayatsev Avram, right, says that even though we call this month Mar Cheshvan, it's because we often think to ourselves, it's difficult to get ourselves out of pain. How am I going to take myself away from the Mar, from the bitterness of Cheshvan, right? And at that time, we have to say to ourselves that yes, right now it's bitter, but cold Ovid Rachman Latav Ovid, much easier to say than do, and I realize that. But cold Ovid Rachman Latav Ovid is exactly what it is because it is in this world, where it's hard to see that. It's only here where that's true. It's filled with divash. Again, the divash from right before, and it's right there. But we're living in Hayomazet. It's really difficult to recognize that eventually it will be Hashem Elokecha. And that's how the Vayatav Avram looks at it. It's surrounded by divash. It's surrounded by Hashem Elokecha. It's Hayomazet. It's really difficult. But if you start treating as if it's something different, then you can understand Ashana, Tova, Umesuka. And that's exactly what we do. We wish people not just a good year, a good and sweet year. And the idea is where you can recognize the sweetness. Not always do we get to recognize that sweetness. Sometimes it just feels bitter. And sometimes we say to ourselves, like, how could this possibly get any better? There's no way. There's no way. That's when a Kaddish Baruch Hu comes in and says, I'm here. I'm here. I've been here the whole time. You might see me at the end, but I promise you there's a reason for why this is happening. I promise you. That's the idea that he says of Asavram. It's a beautiful pshat. Either way, Rabbeinu Yosef Nechemia, this is the great nephew of the Chassam Sofer, says that this passage is only referring to Kriyashma and Tefillah, since it begins with a hey and it ends with a chaf. That's 25, right? And Shema has 25 letters. So it's... Re-
really a reference to Shema Yisrael. And the, additionally, as we said before, Bechol Levavcho, Bechol Nafshecha, is the same thing, obviously, that we say in Kriya Shema, Bechol Levavcho, Bechol Nafshecha. Right? Similar to what it says over there. There are 18 words in this Pasuk to remind us of the 18 brachos of Shemona Esrei. And there are altogether 72 letters that are supposed to be for the Shemayim Beis. As a timeout, I counted, there are 75. Now, I might be bad at counting, and maybe somebody should recount the letters for me, but I'm 99% sure that it's 75. I saw this in Rabbeinu Yosef Nechemiah. I'm assuming that I'm wrong, or that my Chumash had a different gear set than his did, but I don't know why you would take out one of the words and say something, I don't know. But I will just tell you that I saw that, that I'm pretty sure that's what it was. That's from the Rabbeinu Yol, from right over there. Okay, that was the Rabbeinu Yol. I'm sorry, I said it was from Rabbeinu Yosef Nechemiah, or something else. Okay, Ibn Ezra. He says cryptically by the words, right, by all these words, He doesn't explain himself. He just says these are the words of Moshe. As if the rest of the Torah wasn't the words of Moshe, or the rest of the words were the words of God, but this Moshe added in, chas v'shalom. Like, that's weird. What does the Ibn Ezra mean by that? So the Avi Ezra, which is the parish of the Ibn Ezra, says, it's to assure you that this Pusik doesn't need to be said by someone who brings Meister Shani. See, the Psukim before this, we're talking about what happens when you bring Meister Shani, that's the second Meister you bring in the third and the sixth year of any Shemitah cycle to the base of Mikdash. You have to say something. There are th- certain things you say. You don't have to say, Hayom Mazeh, right? Hashem Elokecha, etc. You don't have to say these words, says the Aviezer, and that's what the Ibn Ezra is saying. This is just Moshe himself blessing the people, telling them, serve God with all of your might and whatever it is. It could also be that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted the people to hear this Moshe and contemplate it well, etc. But that's the idea behind it. The Ramban says these two mitzvos, again, like we said before, and we kind of quoted this, are the last two mitzvos that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to tell them. Bikurim, bringing your first fruits to Yushalayim every single year, and Meiser Shani, bringing that second tithe in the third and sixth year that go over to you. You get to eat it, but you have to eat in Yushalayim or redeem it, etc. That's the idea. That's what happens over here, and those are the last two. Those are the Chukah and the Mishpatim. Abarbanel adds on, right, I've already clarified all of the mitzvahs for you. There's nothing left to do but to keep them. As we said before, the idea behind that. Rav Sternbach says it's clearly the shot behind the Pasuk, right? If you read the Pasuk, it's saying after they heard all that Musr from Moshe Rabbeinu, right, all throughout the Midbor, right, they were ready to start doing the mitzvahs. And he told them, okay, now it's time. Do it with all of your heart and soul. Get into it. Don't just give them up, right? That's an obvious shot. That's how Tom Bidas, that's what Sternbach says. But there is a problem. Are these the last two mitzvahs? Bikurim and Meiser Shani? Pretty sure there's three mitzvahs left, maybe even four, if you count it up properly. Hakel is later on. That's the mitzvah where at the end of Sukkot you heard the king reading the Sefer Torah that we have a Zecher for every year in Oshana Rabbah. Hakel is later. Tshuva, if Tshuva is a mitzvah sasedio raisa, it's not in the list of the Rambam, but the Ramban lists it as a mitzvah. The Smag lists it as a mitzvah itself. But Tshuva is in Parshish Nitzavim, right? So that's not here. Writing a Sefer Torah is a mitzvah sasedio raisa. It's in Parshish Vayelech. You have that mitzvah that's supposed to be later on. So the parties Yosef asked that question. He said, what about Shufa? What about Haka? What about writing a Sefer Torah? Those are all later. So how could you say the Ramban says? It's not like somebody random is saying it. The Ramban is saying these are the last mitzvahs. How could that be? And the parties Yosef himself says, I don't know how to answer the question. Right? He says, maybe it's that this chalik of Sefer Dvarim is over, but it doesn't sound correct. It doesn't sound like it's right. 
But there is an Igra de Kala. He doesn't answer this question. He doesn't even ask this question. But from what he says, I think I have an answer to the question. Again, the question is, the Ramban says that Bikurim and Maishrasheni is the last of the mitzvos. There are no other mitzvos. The problem is, there are definitely three, maybe two, maybe three other mitzvos that are in the Torah. Why is the Ramban ignoring them? And the Ramban for sure has them in his list of mitzvos. Hakel, writing a Sefer Torah and Shuva are definitely there. Why is he ignoring them? He says the following, and he says similar to what we said before. What do you do if you didn't have a firstborn son? My firstborn is a, do- is a girl. So I am never going to do Pidyon Petr, Pidyon Petr Chamor, that's true as well, but I won't do Pidyon Bechor. Not going to be Poda Bechor. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do Pidyon Petr Chamor either. I can't guarantee that because I would like to own a donkey one day, but I probably won't own a donkey and I probably won't do Pidyon Petr Chamor. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing it. Not going to do Birchus Kornim. That I'm not going to be able to do. As of right now, as of today, I can't tell you it's true tomorrow, but as of today, I have never yet brought a Korban. There's about 340 mitzvos that deal with korbanos, and I've never done any of them. I'm, I haven't. There's nothing I've been able to do up until this point. So what am I supposed to do about all those? I hope to never give a get. That should never happen. I don't want to ever have that happen. I hope to not be around to have to give a Yerusha. I, I hope that's not there, right? That's also a mitzvah, Sadio Raisa. Chalitza, Yibum. It's not there. I actually made a party when my youngest brother had a baby. I made a private party in my home, right, that I didn't have to worry about Chalitza and Ibum, right? That was, that was a really happy day for me, right? I didn't tell people about that because that's very awkward to see in front of people, but I was very happy that I would never have to worry about Chalitza and Ibum. I have six brothers, right? I, that's a scare. That is a scare that there might be an issue. But Baruch Hashem, right, that, 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 that is not an issue. So that's a, that's a, already, I am having a party that I'm never going to do two mitzvos. That I'm not. I'm not going to do those mitzvos. So how could that be? Right? Obviously, all the, the other. So the answer is that obviously, as we said before, you have to learn about them. But more than that, you have to want to be Mekayim them, want to be Mekayim them, and say to yourself, but I can't. But I can't do it. I want to be Mekayim a mitzvah chalitz and yibum. But I won't. I'm not going to do it. And be happy that way. Be happy. And say to yourself, I'm going to learn about the mitzvahs of Chalitza and Yibam. I'm going to learn about them. I'm going to go into it. I'll learn the Shoresh mitzvah and the Minchas HaChinuch and the Sefer HaChinuch. I'll go through all the possible ideas that are in Yibamis. And that's hard to go through all the possible ideas of what could happen in all these given situations that are mentioned over there. That I'll be able to do. But that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to actually be able to keep them. And that has to count as if I did all of those mitzvahs. From here on, as we said before, there are only two or three mitzvos left, right? He adds on, by the way, interestingly, he, he takes out tshuva and he adds in halicha bederech Hashem, that that's a mitzvah, walking in the ways of Hashem. I mamish have never considered that a mitzvah, but he counts it as a mitzvah, so halicha bederech Hashem. All three can be accomplished by anyone at any time, even hakel can be accomplished by gathering people together to learn, says the Igritakawa. You get a shear together, you get a bunch of people together, you get them in a room, and you have them learn together in the same place, that's hakel. You just did hakel, especially around the Chagim. You can get people together, that's hakel. That means that these mitzvahs of Bikurim and Meiser Shani are the last time that we learn about mitzvahs that won't be able to be accomplished by everyone. Hakel still exists today. Shuva still exists today, right? In that way, right? Uh, what's the other one that I mentioned? Ksiva Sefer Torah still exists today. 
these mitzvos, Bikurim and Meister Shani, are the last mitzvos that not everyone can accomplish. I live in America, for whatever silly reason. I live in America, probably for Gashmias, right? And for that reason, I can't keep Meister Shani. I can't do it. I could buy tomatoes and jewel that happen to be from Israel, which are problematic because most of them are from Shemitah, but I could do that and I would try to give Meister Shani, but I can't do that every year, right? And I certainly can't promise that I'm going to be able to do it. Bikurim, there's a question how to keep Bikurim nowadays. What do you do with Bikurim nowadays? What, are you, what is a person supposed to do? But I don't live there. I don't live there. So what am I supposed to do? That this is the end of those mitzvos. To that, we have the word, want them. Be, say to yourself, I want to keep them. I wish I could keep them, but I can't. And it'll be, if you truly want to do them with all of your heart and soul, it'll be as if you kept them properly. That's how he says it. So it's the last of the mitzvos that you won't be able to keep all of them. And it's super interesting that he says that hakel could exist nowadays, that you could have hakel nowadays, but just gathering people together and getting a shear. I just accomplished hakel, guys. Thank you for being part of my hakel. I really appreciate it. I may not look like the Kohen or Kohen Gadol or the Melech who's standing there in the base of Mekdash, but you know, to each his own. <laughs> that, that's good enough. That's that. Now, that's all part of the second answer. The Sforno is our third answer. It's placed here because this whole Parsha is about the bris that HaKadosh Baruch is going to make with the people. He's about to make a massive bris, and that's the Tochacha, right, where he tells them if you do good, you're going to have awesome things. If you do bad, you'll have a whole Dr. Seuss of what's going to happen to you in the horrible ways, right? You're going to be hit with a truck and by, you're going to be like eaten by a mouse and all the crazy things that happen in the Tolchacha, which is Shishi. That's all part of that bris. He commands us to do things properly. And if we don't, then the result is going to be over there. This idea, he says, has to be done. Bechol levavcha uvechol nafshach. It has to be with everything you have. The rush adds on that bechol levavcha means when it comes to mitzvot, you cannot keep it with two hearts, with your Yetzir Tov and your Yetzir You have to do it because the Kaddish Baruch Hu told you to do it. Look, it's an amazing thing to do chesed. But if you're doing chesed because it makes you feel good, right, that means that you're not just doing it for the mitzvah aspect of it, you're doing it because Hashem said for you to do it. Now, I'm not telling everybody that they have to stop doing mitzvahs because it makes them feel good. But truly, if a person really wants to do something L'Shem Shemayim, there might be something that's really hard for you to do. And I'm going to give an example, okay? This is a really good example. I said to somebody this week, right, that there is a person that I knew needed an invite out, right? So I went to somebody and I said, is there any chance that you could invite this, this family out? That guy told me, he sat there for a second, he looked at me and he's just like, I have a real problem with that guy. But that's why I should invite them. I was very impressed by it. He did. He invited them for Shabbos. I won't tell you who it is. I won't even tell you what neighborhood it is. It might not even be Lincolnwood. But that person, Dave, are you eating out this week? <laughs> that person said, that person said, like, I really, I don't, I, I, I can't, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it, but you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to invite that person. I'm going to make sure they feel comfortable. Right? That's exactly what true chesed is. Chesed is not about yourself, what makes me feel good, and therefore I'll do chesed for that person. I really want to have this guy over because having this guy over is going to give me status. And once everybody knows that they ate by my house, now people are going to think like, oh, that guy's pretty cool because they ate by their house. Chesed is when you invite somebody over 
who doesn't necessarily deserve that chesed. The person who acted like a fool or acted like a jerk to you, and you invite them anyway. That's true chesed. That's the idea. So the idea that he says over here is exactly that says the rush. That shows that you're truly doing something. Bechol levavcha, or bechol nafshecha. Levavcha is being with your true heart, and not just because you got two ways of going about. Then he goes on about the bracha, the gemara and brachas, as you all know, salach alfam and from Rebbe Akiva, with Papa's ben Yehuda, and what happened at the end of his life with bechol he wanted to die on Kiddush Hashem, etc. But that's not for right now. That's a, a different story altogether. There's Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar here as well. In Tuvchei Abiyu, Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein says that he heard from Rav Chaim Knievsky. And again, I, I wish I could verify this with Rav Zilberstein. I, I, it sounds crazy to me. But that the Chazanish used to say about Rav Betzalel of Vilna, who was a tremendous masmid, that the greatest praise that one could say about him is that he spent seven months in Italy to verify if the esrogim there were legitimate esrogim or if they were grafted with lemons. Because we know you can't use morkav, grafted esrogim, on sukkahs. And they're puzzled completely. You're not yotze the mitzvah at all. Well, that's difficult because a lot of the esrogim that are out there nowadays were grafted with lemons because look at an esrog and look at a lemon. Lemons look really good. Esrogim look terrible. If it wasn't for the mitzvah, nobody would buy them. Nobody. Why would anyone buy an esrog? So over the years, obviously, there weren't Jews in charge of citrus fruits everywhere. So there were non-Jews. So what did the non-Jews do? The non-Jews made sure that their esrogim, which tasted terrible and looked terrible, were grafted with lemons so that they would look better. And I don't know, lemons are terrible anyway. But regardless, to have them look at least like a lemon. So this man, Rebetzalo, Rebetzalo, what was Rebetzalo Vilna, went there to check the kashrus of the esrogim. And not only did the trip cost him a ton of money, it was a tremendous bother, but it cost him months and months of learning. And he was a tremendous masmid. That's how much, said the Chazanish, that's how much a person should give up to clarify the halachas that a person needs to know. You want to go figure out something? Spend months, not a day, not a one-week trip. Have an open-ended ticket to be able to figure out what you need to know and then come back when you feel you fully got it. I think that's part of the problem that people had when... Do you guys remember the whole thing with Shaitals in India? Remember the whole thing? It was like a three-day trip to find out how Indians treat the hair that's donated to their gods, the god Vishnu or whatever it is and stuff like that. You can't do that on a three-day trip. You can't figure out an entire culture and what they feel and what they hold and what they deal with the Vodazara in a three-day trip. You want to be there, be there for seven months. You can't do seven months, then don't do it. Like, that's an impossibility. You want to find out the halacha about something that no one else knows, which is difficult. And it's a really difficult thing. But that's exactly what you have to do. Give up something a little bit. And that's what he seems to say in order to make sure that you have the halacha down properly. And if you can't, you can't. It's really, really hard to do so when you're on a budget and when you're on time constraints. What are you supposed to do? You can't figure out everything because you're always going to be constrained. That's the idea behind it. Now, there's more. There's quite a bit more. The Nitziv has something over here as well as the Meshech Chachma. I think I'm going to skip both of those over here. I'm going to go to the Chafetz Chaim. Chafetz Chaim learns from these words, Hayom Azaz, certain marshal. There was once a poor man, he says, who went around from house to house every week selling his small wares. He only returned home for Shabbos. He came home on Shabbos, right? He was able to spend time with his family on Shabbos. Very careful. Never to eat anything that was not kosher. And he was very proud that he was able to subsist. He was able to live all week long just on dry bread and water. And that's it. And he lived off that and he was perfectly fine. Shabbos, he ate normally and that's that. 
he was always happy. He never showed the pain that he was in. And I'm sure this is not a great diet, right, for somebody to have. It wasn't easy for him, but that, that's that. But he never showed anybody how upset he was. Someone once asked him a secret. Why are you so happy, right, with everything you do? Why are you so positive? You obviously live a hard life. You're never home, right? You're not making that much money. You're not able to eat all week. Like, why are you so happy? And he told them, if I thought about what I was eating and doing all day long, it would bother me a lot. I, I would try my absolute hardest to find heterim, to eat things that I wouldn't normally eat. But every day, I don't think about the past, right? Because how could I change what happened in the past? I also don't think about the future, because why should I worry about something that hasn't happened yet? All there is for me to worry about is today. And why should I worry about the parnas of one day? A Kurdish Parker can take care of me for one day. He can take care of me for 24 hours. And that was his thought process. Says the Chavetz Chaim. That's the way that a person has to think. If you think of yourself as, well, what about yesterday? And what about tomorrow? Then you're right. It's going to be hard. And we all know that, right? If we think of it as, well, I need to make sure that I have a certain amount in my bank account, in my savings account, in order for me to go on. And that's true. There are people that definitely have to live that way, and I'm not going against that. I saw 12 Mishulachim tonight. I definitely understand that, that there's needs, there is a need for something like that. Regardless, if a person thinks of it as, but what about today? What about today? Can a Kodesh Baruch take care of me today? A Kodesh Baruch can take care of me today. I'm going to be okay. That, he says, is the way that a person can have true amuna in a Kodesh Baruch Hu, and a person will always be happy. Because he'll say to himself, today? I'm good today. I'm good. I don't need anything else. I'm perfectly fine right now. Hayom Hazeh. Right? That's the idea behind this passage. Hayom Hazeh. Think of it as today. Don't worry about anything else. Okay. That's the first part. Then we have the second part of Rashi. And I'm going to try to do this in less than 10 minutes. There's a little bit over here, but let's see what we can do. Rashi at the end of the Pusik says, it is not a command to do, right, to keep and do the mitzvot. That's not what we're referring to. It's a bracha from a baskol that comes down from Shemayim that says, you were zocha to keep this mitzvah today. You did bikurim. You did maiser sheni. You should be zocha to keep this mitzvah again next year. You should be able to do it again next year. You did it once, you'll do it again. That's the bracha, right? And that's what it says at the end of the Pasuk. Mizrahi says, Rashi understood it to be pshat. Since the Pasuk says, this man has already brought his bikurim and maizr sheni, he already said what he's supposed to do. So why is it now saying, so you should bring it? Must be, you're bringing it again next year. You'll do this mitzvah again next year. It's what we say every single year when we leave the sukkah. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be Zoha to do this mitzvah next year. Not in this sukkah, in the sukkah Yasan, in Eretz Yisrael. To be able to keep that and to be able to do it with Mashiach. We're asking for that. But that's the idea of the Baskol going out and saying, Rabbi Yisrael of Ruznitz once saw one of his Hasidim copying his motions during Shimon Esther. I guess he was very, like, very into it in his davening. And he was doing that. And he turned and he saw one of his chassidim, a young chassid, copying every motion that he did. And he saw a Russian that said, you can't copy what I did. Because every movement that I make today, I'm not going to do tomorrow. And what I do tomorrow, I'm not going to do the next day. Every day, I'm a completely different yid. So every day, I have no order, no seder to my movements and what I do when. Every day is based on what I think I need right there at that time, and I'm thinking like that. That's unbelievable, by the way. I, I, to think that every single tefillah is a completely different place. Now, the Otsar Plosa Torah says that the source for Rashi is a medrash tanchuma that quotes Reish Lakish who says, this is like someone who brings a new fruit to his friend. And the friend says to him, may he be able to do so next year. 
right? You be able, I, I want you to bring me a new fruit next year. Be, because of this medrash, the Kafachaim and Orachaim Reish Chafei Yotas says we should bring new fruits to Talmidei Chachamim in order to hear them make the bracha of Shachianu. And when they do, it's as if you're bringing Bikurim. That's the mitzvah of Bikurim nowadays, he says. And he even says, Yihiratzon, before you do so. Right? It's also possible that that's, this is why you're doing it. If you're giving Bikurim by bringing a fruit to a Talmud Chacham and letting him say Shechianu, then the Talmud Chacham will end up giving you a bracha. May you bring me another new fruit next year. You'll answer Amen. And that gives you a Rikos Yamim. The Minchas Lazar in his Sefer Divrei Torah tin, Madura Tinyana Simen Samachalaf says the Bnei Yisoscher was makbid to taste every new fruit he could find and make a Shechianu on each one. He says it's a skula for a Rikos Yamim. So if you're going out for Rosh Hashanah and you're going to make a Shachianu, right? Find as many new fruits as you want. Why not make a bunch of new fruits? And you can make one Shachianu on all of them. You can ask that Shiloh whether you should make a Shachianu on each new fruit separately or you make it on all of them together. But don't just be, don't take the usual star fruit. I know you haven't had a star fruit since last Rosh Hashanah. We all know you didn't have a star fruit since last Rosh Hashanah. Get a dragon fruit and a star fruit and I don't know what else there is out there. Like those weird cactus thingies, right? And the other one, what? Cactus pears, that was good. I had one this past summer, so I, I won't be able to make a shechiano on that, right? But like uh, something else that like looks super weird, probably smells super weird also, that you're never going to have otherwise, have a bunch of them. That's a skula, he says, for a rikos yomim, to keep making that shechiano. And maybe it's based on this idea that if you did it once and you made a shechiano once, may you be able to make the shechiano afterward and then bring it to a Talmud Chacham. A Talmud Chacham will make that bracha and will say to you, oh, you should bring me another fruit next year. That's the idea behind it. Ksav Sofer says, I got a problem. If you're getting a bracha every time you give Bikurim, that you should do it the next year. And it's from a baskol. The baskol comes out and says, you should do this next year. How does anyone ever die if they bring Bikurim? Every time you bring Bikurim, the baskol says, do it next year. So then you do. And then the baskol says, do it next year. So you do. So no one should ever die. You should live forever. As long as you keep bringing Bikurim, there's no way that you can ever pass away. And he suggests, this is what the Ksav Sofer suggests, it's not about long life. It's rather about Ashirus, wealth, that comes from Maishr Shani, right? And happiness that comes from Bikurim, that that should affect you the entire year. Mihiratzon, that the happiness that you have now and the Ashirus that you have now should continue into the next year. Obviously, that Ashirus, that happiness, will allow a person to have a better life and he'll think that there's part of Berich that's the idea, but that's what the Pasuk is really saying. The, the Chsam Sofer answers the idea, entire idea behind it by saying something different. He points out how strange it is to say in Meiser Shani, Asisi Kechol Asher Tzvisani. I don't know if anybody else, it's my Bar Mitzvah Parsha, so I don't know if anybody else's Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Is it anybody else's Bar Mitzvah Parsha? Happens to be my birthday tonight, by the way. If you didn't bring a present, I forgive you, but I do expect something tomorrow. So just know, you have until tomorrow, probably 2 p.m. And then after that, you're dead to me. That's that, There's nothing. <laughs> okay, so I'm just saying, I'm, it's fine. It doesn't have to be big. It's just, tiny is fine as well, right? But it has to be at least the dollar store. So Asisi, think about this. In, it's my bar mitzvah parsha. Asisi, I did kechol asher tzvisani, like everything that God commanded me to do. How dare does a person say that? 
How can you say that to Hashem? It's the wording you're supposed to say every time you bring Meiser Shani. How could you say, I did exactly as you told me to do? How could that be? Says the Chassam Zofer. He means to say, I did this mitzvah because you told me to do it. I did it because you said, bring this mitzvah. This is so even though you're allowed to test Hashem with Meiser and Tzedakah, you all know that, right? You're allowed to test and assume you're going to get something back. And then he adds the word hashkifa. Any bracha that I get, I give to Klai. So, Voreich Esamcha Es Yisrael. If I'm going to get a bracha for this, I want to give it out to all of Klau Yisrael. That means that the bracha that you're saying, that you're getting, that you should come back and do it next year, is not about you. It's about Klau Yisrael. That your bracha of the Basko coming out and saying you should do it next year is not about the individual, like Avi is going to come back and do it next year. No. It's about Klau Yisrael as a whole should be Zoha to always have Bikurim. Klau Yisrael as a whole will be able to have something different. We'll end with this. There's a medrash brought by the Chidah that says, Come, let us bow, let us bend our knees, nibrach, or bend ourselves, nibrach bend our knees in front of HaKadosh Baruch who made us. Moshe saw through his Ruach HaKodesh that the base of Mikdash would be destroyed and they would no longer be able to bring Bikurim to the base of Mikdash. So he said, if you can't, then let's make another concept. We'll call it tefillah. That they should daven three times a day and that would be more beloved to them than anything else in all of their korbanos. Bo nishtachaveh is a pusik in the 11 mizmar that Moshe Benu later created, that he created later incorporated into Tehillim. And that's the hint here that he said to them that don't worry, bo nishtachaveh even though we can't keep Bikorim nowadays, even though the only thing we can do is by giving to Talmud HaChachamim, we still have the concept of doing Bikorim Kurim by davening properly. And maybe, maybe it's true that every single day after we finish our davening, I've just never heard this, this, this baskol. Maybe the baskol does come out and say, may you be able to do this tomorrow. May you be able to get there tomorrow. And even if it's not for us, it's for Klai Yisrael. The Klai Yisrael will always be able to do that tefillah for tomorrow until, right? We don't have to daven anymore because Mashiach will be here. And then maybe, maybe, maybe we'll be above the world and it'll be beyond the level of davening. Our constant talking will be talking to Hashem. Maybe there'll be that concept that'll be so awesome. But that's not for right now. Have a great job, everybody. Stop right here.